Welcome to Van Lathan's The Red Pill, where we give you the brutal reality of truth. Um, today's guest is an outstanding one, Miss Ava DuVernay. This is a big moment for the podcast. Uh, having someone on that was on the cover of Time Magazine is fucking amazing. We went to Array headquarters. Array is Ava's production arm, um, located near the heart of downtown Los Angeles. And we sat down with her um, and talked to her about the splendid uh, limited series that she has on Netflix right now, When They See Us, which is the story of the Central Park Five, both how these young black boys um, were coerced into confessions um, involving a crime that they did not commit, put through the criminal justice system, um, spat out by society, but more importantly, how they reclaimed their lives, their dignity, how they survived and thrived in the face of overwhelming societal uh, injustice. It is just a brilliant, brilliant piece of art, um, and I sincerely, to the depths of my soul, hope that everyone uh, takes the time to watch it. It is not, my friends, an easy watch. Hell no, it is not an easy watch. If there's one shred of decency in your entire body, you will be ripped apart by the images that you see on the screen uh, and uh, grounded in the fact that they actually happen, it makes them more difficult uh, to actually take in. Uh, but still, it's something that you must do. It's entertaining, it's riveting, um, and in the end, it's liberating as odd as that might seem. We talked to uh, her about that. We talked to her about some things she doesn't like. Um, she doesn't like being called auntie. The auntie stuff gotta stop. Ava not fucking with that, okay? Uh, we also discussed her career, both past, present, and future, and you know how she sees uh, the larger view of society through the eyes of Ava DuVernay. I would like to say something. Um, I put up a clip, or excuse me, a picture of Ava and I talking on Instagram yesterday night, and uh, a lot of people said, yo, we love the new set. Uh, it is, is, we, we're glad that you leveled up, Van. It's about time. Like, come through, new set. Ain't no new set. We were at Array, okay? No new set. This is the set for the time being until something else happens. So appreciate y'all letting me know how much y'all don't fuck with what it is that we look like right here, but this is the set. That All of that nice shit that you saw, that was over at Array. They got money. It's a very nice campus, by the way, over at Array. Thank you to Tulane, to Michael, to everybody over there at Array. Uh, of course, uh, my partner, Nick May, um, uh, for helping set that up. Uh, Kylie, everyone who was involved, um, that was absolutely amazing, an amazing experience to talk to her. Um, I'm not going to rant. I'm going to say one thing, and then I'm going to go. This is the one thing I say, very many rant. So, uh, Linda Fairstein is the prosecutor um, that uh, very vigilantly uh, prosecuted the Central Park Five, um, and in the face of shoddy evidence um, and an incomplete set of intellectual facts uh, decided to press on and incarcerate these five black and brown boys. Okay. She went on after they suffered 
horrors after their families were ripped apart, after they were psychologically de de debilitated, after they were put through uh, the ringer, if you will, um, she went on to write crime novels and to be a big deal. Okay, uh, Especially one part of this, uh, it deals specifically with uh, Corey Wise. And if you watch what Corey had to go through being an adult, put into an adult prison, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking to know that someone, many people, but more specifically someone was responsible um, for the dehumanization of this young man. Okay. Donald Trump uh, at that point uh, said that he believed in the guilt of the Central Park Five, uh, took out ads in multiple papers, wanting to bring back the death penalty um, and advocating that it be used uh, on these young black and brown boys. Donald Trump has never apologized for the fact that these convictions were vacated. These young men um, uh, were awarded money from the state. Uh, everyone agrees they did not do this. Someone stepped up, a man named Matthias Reyes, and took responsibility for that. Linda Fairstein is, is getting some heat right now. She's never come back uh, and admitted wrongdoing. Not that this would change the lives of those um, five young men at all, but they've never admitted that the view of society that they had was wrong, that the view of these black and brown boys was wrong. I'll tell you why that's important. That's important for two reasons. Number one, it shows you how penetrating and powerful a weapon whiteness is um, when it's used by people who intend to use it for harm. Linda Fairstein went on to become a multi-millionaire writing books. Donald Trump is the president of the United States. Whiteness means essentially never having to admit that you are wrong in America. We have to change that. We have to change that definition. We have to change that classification. That can't stand. Admitting that they were wrong will never, ever, ever get back what these young men lost. It never will, what those young boys lost. But what it might do was would would be to make other people see um, just how fallible the system is, and it might spur conversation and action to change it. Okay, but by never even having to come to grips or to terms with the fact that you made an error, a grave error, Linda Fairstein for the rest of her life, it should be a crusade to make it up to these men. Donald Trump or anyone who contributed to what they went through, the rest of their life should be a crusade to make that up. Now, just suppose that to how it is when anybody else makes a mistake. And I'm not saying that people don't make mistakes. They do. But I'm saying guys that we've seen put through the ringer, well, every single day they have to show that they're not who we thought that they were. Every single day. Sisters, uh, our Latino brothers, like everyone, every single day, they're going to have to work to get to make that second chance valid. They're going to have to do that every single day. That's what we have to do. But we don't ever come together as a community to hold other people accountable for the mistakes that they've made and how they've affected us. I'm saying that right now, that has to change. Linda Fairstein has to pay for what she did. Whatever that means, however that looks, she must pay 
for the lives that she ruined. I stand with my brothers and sisters as always. I stand with people who love freedom and justice and equality. Let's let Ava talk. Bye-bye. Typically, at the beginning of the red pill, I don't know if you've ever heard, but we make the white people clap. Oh, we, there's we a problem. one here. We only got one white person. So Are there usually more? We normally got three white people in the oh, room. Oh, wow. Right. So, white person, clap for Ava DuVernay. You know what? Everybody clap for Ava DuVernay. <laughs> a round of applause. What is the thought behind this? What is the thought behind it? This is the thought behind it. The thought behind it is uh, we we shoot the podcast at TMZ. And outside in that TMZ realm, somebody else runs it. But inside that room, I run mm. it. So because my guests are normally people of color, the white people give them reverence at the beginning of the show. Clap for my culture. When you're the boss, you can do what you That's want. That's what you do. Okay. Oh, my God. I have so much that I want to talk to you about. Um... When They See Us uh, is now uh, streaming on Netflix. Um, I had the opportunity to see it at a screening mm. before this uh, some time ago. Uh, I saw it. And I have to be honest with you, at that screening, I tapped out mm. um, after part two. Okay. I had to leave. Okay. Um, and I noticed that there were a lot of other people at that screening that were crying. The emotion was so raw. Mm. Um, and the reason because of that is it told a story that I really didn't know existed mm. about the Central Park Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, the youth of the, the, the young boys. Mm-hmm. I was battered by mm. their youth. Mm. Um, the youth was on their faces. Mm-hmm. Was when you guys were shooting, was that, or even before shooting, was that something that you sought out to do? Was to drive home to people just how young these boys were at the mm-hmm. time that this happened to them? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely their age, definitely their vulnerability, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, just their inexperience. You know, none of these boys had ever been in trouble. They they did not even know how to process being in a precinct um, or interacting with officers in that way. So we did, as I was casting, we're looking for people who had a youthful quality, but all of them weren't that way. Like, they they, they didn't all know each other. Mm-hmm. So you had five boys, and, and one of the couple of the boys were into girls, had a little girlfriend, or were going to a party to see a girl. Yeah. A couple of the other ones were just really just like babies. Right. But they're all from the from 14 to 16 year old years old. We know as adults, they're all babies. Right. But they were in different levels of their maturity. And um, so it was important to try to be true to who each of them was and uh and find boys that really matched, you know, that that youthful quality or young but a little more kind of in the world. Hmm. And so we just really worked hard to find the right kids. And I mean, I think the boys we found were just better than I'd ever dreamed they'd be. Yeah, they were absolutely yeah. fantastic. Uh, for you, going through the process, what was the hardest part of, of making the film? Gosh, it was a tough... I mean, the films are always difficult to make. This one was was really, really challenging for me, uh, just from a logistical point of view. Like, mm-hmm. it was 66 days, which is... Not a lot, a lot of time in filmmaking. Um, And in 66 days, we basically made four films. Uh, And so we're we're in practical locations. Practical locations means that we're in the real places. Mm. Um, We also had stages. So all of the homes that you see, I built those on stages with my production designers um, and construction crews. And um, and then I had a huge, the huge cast I've ever worked with. It was 179 people in the cast, Mm. 117 people. 117 of them had speaking parts. Right. So, um, and you know, when you have an actor, they 
they want to talk to their director. They, what's my motivation? Like, let's <laughs> right. let's talk about how I'm feeling. And yeah. so that's 117 people all at the same time. You know, while you're kind of trying to put together this big movie that you have to give attention to, and so it was a lot of concentration required more than than I've experienced in the past. Mm. Now it's been out. Um, the reception has been really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any surprises for you at how it's been received thus far? Uh, the, the response is a surprise. Really? I, the response is a surprise. The, the level of the response is a surprise. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I, I was happy with what we made. I knew it was going to be on Netflix and that it would have some audience. I did not expect. I mean, I've heard from every, I've heard, first of all, Twitter's great because you have different levels. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, hashtag when they see us. I'm doing the right thing. I'm spelling when they see us properly. Right. You have hashtag when the see us. Because I'm a little messy. (laughs) I'm just, you know, I'm quick. It's quick. Then you've got how they see us. Mm -hmm. Okay. They are just like, look, I heard it. It's something about seeing us. (laughs) Um, And so when I started to discern, it was actually my brother Nick. Mm -hmm. I mean, my brother Christopher, Mm -hmm. who hit me. And he said, how are you feeling about the response? I said, great. You know, I'm, I'm getting... It's incredible, and I'm getting through all the tweets and stuff. He's like, "Have you gone to how they see us?" And I was like, "No." I was like, "No, what?" He's like, "No." There's and there, there's like twenty thousand more. Right. People having real conversations on the how they see us one. Yeah. So anyway, um, but the the breadth and the scope of the people that are responding, um, has been more than I ever thought. Because I thought it'd be a small group that are into like social justice and mm-hmm. crime drama. But I didn't think, I mean, it's, it's all kinds of people. Yeah, it, it, I wasn't surprised at all. Really? No. This, I mean, it, it trended, I mean, it trended all day Friday from 5 a.m. Pacific time to past midnight going into Saturday. Yo, Ava, we didn't know. Like we The story at all? We, I knew the story. I know, but, but there's I had a lot no, of stories you don't know and you people are not watching like this. Not like this, though. Because, and the reason why I say that is because, so... I'm watching, I'm mm-hmm. sitting there watching these young men get their youth taken, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many things that are going on. I'm just, from my pr- mm-hmm. perspective, so many things that are going on in my head. Number one, how many times did this happen? Mm-hmm. How many times does this happen every day? Is this happening right now? Mm-hmm. And then something else started to happen to me. I go, did this happen to blank? And I'm thinking of all the young brothers that I know mm-hmm. that have been in situations and got put into the system at mm-hmm. early ages. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I'm personalizing the movie to a degree that I never thought that I would. Mm-hmm. As a matter of, like what I didn't know about the Central Park Five was their youth, the degree to which they were coerced, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then I start to have this weird feeling of guilt from not having been more invested mm-hmm. into this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those things made it completely captivating. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm leaving, the reason why everybody that's watching it, they want to scream out on the mountaintop. Mm-hmm yo, you got to see this, mm-hmm. it's because it seems like a fire alarm mm-hmm. in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. No, that's um, well put. Yeah, and so, so. It, in, in in a way, like, you want to keep pulling the fire alarm until, mm-hmm. you know, everybody gets a chance mm-hmm. to kind of get wet. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't see that. I didn't expect it at, at, this, at this level. It's only been out for, I guess, it's three days now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the level of engagement and the way that we, in which people are talking about it. I was speaking at someone with Netflix today, and they're like, you know, the, the the tweets and the social media posts are going beyond, I'm watching it, you know, mm. or that was good. Like, people are drilling down into how they felt, scenes, lines, characters, yeah. their own experiences. 
Um, so that's a thrill. I mean, that's it's it's the dream. It's what you want. How do you hope that white people view this? You know, that's that's very uh, far from my priority. Really? Yeah, I made this for people of color. I made it for black people. Mm-hmm. I made it to bear witness to these boys' stories, and those are, are black and brown boys. I want mm-hmm. them to be heard. I want to be the one to be able to tell our story. I've read some things online. People are like, I can't watch it. It's... You know, and that's okay. I respect everyone's thing, but I, I do take a little, you know, umbrage with um, why we always got to see sad stories and mm-hmm. why does it always have to be that? And it's like, um, you know, we need to tell our stories. We need to tell our stories. These boys' stories were ter- story was told thirty years by people who did not care about them. Mm-hmm. They were made to have to say things that they didn't mean, that they didn't, that, yeah. that weren't real. Yeah. Uh, they they went to to court. But there was no evidence against them, against them, and yet they're still convicted for uncoerced confessions. Right. They're put through the process. They're they're demonized. They're dehumanized. And so, what are we supposed to be like? Okay, well, you told that side of the story, and we're just going to keep it moving. Yeah. I mean, we need to tell our stories. We need to reclaim our narratives. We need to remember what happened so that it doesn't happen again. We need to educate people. People don't know the story. Right. And so I was talking to a sister the other day, uh, yesterday, 17 years old, Latina. She's like, I'd never heard of this. And she was asking me, what do I do if I'm in that situation? Like, I saw what they did that was wrong, mm-hmm. but what should I do if I'm ever caught up in that? Right. You know, I was really specific telling her about how to ask for a lawyer. I was, a lawyer had put online, you can't just say, I want a lawyer. Because mm-hmm. in some states, that's not enough. You have to say, I will not speak with you without my lawyer present. There's some places where certain verbiage matters. We need to know that. We need to learn that as black Absolutely. people under duress. Right. And so... That's the reason why we do it. It's not to tell sad stories. It's to claim our space yeah. and to, uh, you know, uh, control our own narrative. It's actually a question I have for you. I saw some of that. I, I saw uh, because there all must there always must be dissension. Um, it, it seems like on Twitter, they're all it, 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 it's a must. So I saw some people going, "Yo, man, I'm not about to put myself through another story." of the humiliation and degradation of black people where all we get at the end of it is a movie. And it's just weird. I felt so far removed from that. Number one, I feel like that's disrespectful to these men because it's really a story of how they survived this mm-hmm. and went on to 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 reclaim their lives, as you say, uh, in, in this country. So I was at the end of the movie, which is tough after the, fir- the fourth part. Mm-hmm. Tough mm-hmm. after the fourth part. I felt hopeful. And mm-hmm. I felt like happy for them that this did not break them. So mm-hmm. I didn't have that at all. Uh, what to you was the, if you had to break it down, which segment to you was the most impactful? I mean, I think the cumulative effect, the overall effect of it all mm-hmm. is is what what is the most meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Because as a whole, we've unmasked the criminal justice system sure. in great detail. Right. And there is value to that. Um, I understand if people don't want to do it, cool. But I would say, you know, don't piss on the people who do want to do it yeah. and the people who are getting something from it. Yeah. And when you look at this and you see the care that was taken by, you know, a black woman who loves, I love those men. Like, I, I, I care about them. I cared about their stories. I spent four years on it to, to, to work to get it right in every nuance and every detail. Um, that's not just trauma porn, just to be, you know, 
you know, seeing something sad. Yeah. Like there's information there, there's empathy there, there's emotion there, there's love there. And there it makes a difference to see black mothers reflecting love to their sons in the most horrific situation. It makes a difference to see, you know, black and brown men standing up and surviving. I mean, there's value to it. Now, I feel like I shouldn't even have to convince anyone of that. And I don't like take it or leave it, watch it or don't watch it. But I know what we made. Mm. And I know that there's not even one part. There's so many little pieces that I love in it. I love, I love, you know, Kevin's sister telling him a story about how to hang on. Right. You know, it's okay that you said, yeah. Yeah. Aw, he watched it. Why don't, man, look, that was a break. (laughs) I needed a breather. Like, like, when, 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 like, when, when he, when the guy walks into the car rental joint and they start going on their whole thing, I'm like, yo, okay, cool. Dope. All right. um, We're going to do a whole little love story right now. And that's dope. Even, to be honest with you, another much needed breather. What? and I'm going to try to keep it together, was Corey envisioning what his situation would have been like had he not Didn't followed go. the rest yeah. of his friends to the park. Coney Island. Be, and, and that entire sequence of of him with Storm and they're doing this whole thing, I'm like, yo, <laughs> I just needed right. to tap out for a second. Right. Actually, I'm, I appreciate you for that, sister. Because <laughs> right, right, like, you right. needed a little bit of a break. Right. So no, I get exactly... Um, like what you're talking about there and the performances in this are amazing. Yeah, everybody came with it. They just really uh you know, I just I you know, part of it is casting the right people. Mm-hmm. Part of it as a director is setting the expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a very high expectation. Right? right. I'm like your mama. Like don't come in here raggedy. Right. Don't come in here late. Don't come in here not knowing your lines. Don't come in here unprepared for me to say do it like this. Try it like this. Let's do this. Never mind. I'm rewriting it. Walk over there and come back like be ready, like it's a championship game. Oh, this film is forever. Yeah, you understand? Know I, I mean, yeah, this yeah. is you. We do it there, and we cut it together, and put the music together, and we put it out, and then it, it lives on. We're still watching films from a hundred years ago. Absolutely, like it's happening in this moment. Are you with me or not? Mm. So you need the actor that's gonna, you know, through the audition process or through knowing their other work, be able to come right there with you. John Leg was the legend. Yeah. He's done it all. He could have just walked on that set like, um, I'm Johnny Legs. What's mm-hmm. up? New York's my city. This is mm-hmm. what I do. Yep, yep. Came in there, studied, knew his stuff. And when you see an actor like that, or Michael K. Williams, mm. you know, or Vera Farmiga, or Nisi Nash, and all these young guys are seeing that, mm. they're like, oh, that's how you have to be to win. Right. I think it's the most so. vulnerable performance of John Leguizamo's career. You think? Well, I don't know. He's done a lot of things. He's done a lot of things, <laughs> but in this one, I... It's beautiful like he, Yeah, like it was yeah. an amazing performance. Yeah. I'm going to come back to Michael K. Williams' performance in a second, because I think that's a really important part of the entire tale that... Just the the distrust, the past of the mm. father, and the way that entire thing played out. But I want to mm. ask you about something else. Uh, I spoke to Raymond Santana uh, uh, today. Oh, yeah? I, I spoke to him, um, did a short interview with him today. And uh, he made a little news by saying that he thinks that people should boycott. Yeah, I saw it on my way over. Right. Because I talked to him this morning, mm-hmm. and we're like on this text, me mm-hmm. and the five guys. It's like... The brothers and the one sister. Uh, so we, we're, because you know, some of them, Antron's not on social media at all. Yeah. And Corey's barely on. So we try to feed him stuff and send him things. And this morning he's like, yeah, you know, I'm just chilling, feeling the love. I'm going to lay low. Mm-hmm. And then I, five minutes before I came over, it's BT headline, Raven Santana blasts the such and such. I'm like, brother, right. what happened? But I think, was, it's, well, I think was, it's great. He said that he feels, if I saw it co- correctly, that mm-hmm. um, some of the challenges that that 
that Linda Fairstein is getting is deserved, and it's yeah. time for her to pay the piper. What do you think about that? Linda Fairstein, if, if you guys, of course, I hope that you've seen the documentary. She is the prosecutor uh, who prosecuted the young men, the, the boys at that time, and then has never actually come back and admitted she was wrong, apologized, or anything. She stands defiant, it seems like, in the lie that they actually committed that horrible crime. Uh, how do you feel about her and about his notion that she should be boycotted and be made to pay something for what would happen. What I support however he feels, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's valid and valuable however he feels. That was my mission in this, to support their story and the way that they feel, so I won't pass judgment on that. As far as her, she's had 30, 30 years to tell her side of the story, mm-hmm. and now it's their time. Mm-hmm. So they dealt with your story for 30 years. Now you're going to have to deal with theirs, whether you like it or not. Wow, fantastic. Now, back to Michael K. Williams. Uh Man like me, who has who has a great relationship with his dad now, but hasn't always had the best relationship mm. with his father. Uh, it's interesting how this story really pulled at almost every piece of the what I would consider to be black experience mm-hmm. uh, in the inner cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, here you have a young man, Antron, who uh, develops a distrust for his dad, mm-hmm. feels like his dad abandoned him. When the father has things in his past that made him vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, uh, to the police and, 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 and to all of these different situations, was what specifically about that relationship and that storyline really moved and grabbed you? Because I felt myself really drawn to that, mm-hmm. especially older when he started to get a little bit sick. Mm-hmm. And now you have to come back. Um, and this happened with me as well. My father's not as well right mm-hmm. now. You have to come back and really repilot the plane while it's in the air mm-hmm. to try to get in for a soft landing. Mm-hmm. Um, That's well said. That's a good analogy. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I really, I'd heard Antron's story, and this is a big part of what we need to discuss when we are talking about incarceration. When you incarcerate one person, you incarcerate their whole family. Yeah. You know, there's there was a fracture to this family uh, that was irreparable, irreparable, was never mm-hmm. repaired. And um, so I really wanted to show that. But also, I feel that the father acted out of love. In that moment, you know what I mean? Mm. This was a good dad. And when you talk to to Antron, you know, he, he loved his father. They had a great relationship. That's why the first time you see Antron, the first scene of the whole film, Shared of the whole the series. Burger, talking baseball. Just, you know, it was just like that, right? Yeah. And so they had a great, great relationship. So the fact that it's fractured, uh, I mean, even when, when um, the boy is telling him what happened in the park, mm-hmm. you know, he's sitting down and the father is a good dad. He's in there. He's trying to get the information. He's telling him, I taught you better than this. And so they had a good relationship. It's fractured in that moment. But as a director, I have to think about how do I work with Michael K. Williams, not to just be a villain, not to just be a bad guy in that moment, but to get underneath what's really happening for that character. And what's really happening is I'm not going to let them kill my son. I'm not going to let them put him in prison like, or, you know, behind bars like I am. Mm -hmm. What do I need to do to get him out of here? And he's trying to tell the son and the boy's not listening and he, and he just breaks, he loses it. And so within that, at the core of it is a defending of your son. And I think to my own father, may he rest in peace. I know that he would have done anything to protect me. Anything. In his mind at that time, that character is processing what he does as protection, mm-hmm. right? Even though we're looking at him and be like, what are you doing, right. right? So in the moment, we've all made choices for the people that we love that they might not have wanted us to do, you know right. what I mean? The way that we reacted. So I think part of this piece is really trying to see it all from every side. And, and that's a lot of the great work of Michael K. Williams, bringing humanity to that character. 
Yeah. Uh, fantastic. All the performances mm. in this were, were great. Like, mm-hmm. they really were. Um, I want to ask you just something else. Is there anybody now at this point that you feel like you have to work with? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of actors I want to work with. I mean, the list is long. I wouldn't even name one because it would leave out, you know, the others that are that are on there. But there's so many people I want to work with. It's people that I see in a little something that I've been like, oh, I want to bring them in or I want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always kind of keeping track of people in my mind. They're not necessarily the big stars. Like, I had really wanted to work with Vera Farmiga, the mm. woman who plays the prosecutor, Elizabeth Letterer, in episode two, yeah. uh, where she's uh, basically the lawyer against them. Uh, I just think she's dope. Like, I've seen her in a whole bunch of stuff. Liked her in everything I ever saw her in. Right? The Departed, she was great in. Boy in the Striped Pajamas, she was great in. you know your stuff. What is going on? You don't, uh, yeah, you talking to a geek. You better tell her, Maddie. Like, 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 yeah, she's, (laughs) like, she was in a movie with, uh, first time I ever saw her, she was in a movie with uh, uh, John Cusack and um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton called Pushing Tin. Okay. You ever see that one? I, th- I did see, but I didn't know she was in it. Yeah, she, okay. she like she play, he plays like yeah, she's great. She's in that. She was in a film. The first time I saw her, it's it's uh 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 it's an early independent film that she was in. Then she continued to like she had, was in that big film she was nominated an Oscar for with Clooney, and then she has Bates Motel. And she, whenever yeah. she, she's kind of one of those actresses that's that she can disappear into any role. So right. I really really had wanted to work with her, and so then you know an actor that you want to work with comes on the set, uh, or you get to talk to them before. I had a little meeting with her before, and you're just like, ah, I hope they're not an asshole. You know what I mean? Because I love her, but I won't cast you if you're, I mean, like, really? if you're a good actor, but you're a jerk. Well, I mean, it's a town of assholes. Is it not? Yeah, I think that no, the perception I, is that it's a town of assholes, and to really get something done, you got to learn how to work with the assholes. Is that not true? Uh, I think I think that's one way to go about it. On my sets, though, I have a no-tolerance policy for that. Zero tolerance I, for assholes. No, because I've been through in my early films, like on some of there were a couple jerks, mm-hmm. and I was like, as I accrue more you know, of my own personal power within mm-hmm. what I'm making. I was like, that that's life's too short. Because when you're on a set, it's the best. Right. You know what I mean? You've taken so long to pick the couch and oh we think this <laughs> this rug is gonna go great because he's gonna we're gonna have costume I want those black shoes on him right. and then lighting and then the cameras come and it just and it's just all happening and it's a magic moment and you want somebody who's gonna be bitching and moaning yeah. oh no you better be happy to be here right. how about happy to be here enthusiastic to do it so anyway I meet her for the first time I'm just like ah oh, please be dope oh my god she was dope mm, wow so right. good how are you going to be an asshole on Selma? <laughs> there were two. You got to bring your best energy Oh, no, there Selma, were two. We there were it. two. There were, on, there were two of them. We're doing it for Dr. King. You can't put your best face on. No. You're doing it for Dr. How you no. going? Come on. No. Be better. That's disappointing. That's, that's really peak level asshole. Asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, man. We, yes. we, we, we reenacting marches. Come on. <laughs> put your good face on for your ancestors. That's right. Um... Uh, so, uh, <laughs> what, that's, but that you can't though. That's funny. Um, yeah, you can. for you picking the projects, because I know you have some stuff that like, even us comic geeks are super excited about yeah. what you're doing. Uh, but it, it, it seems as if there's a specific power when you tap into what's going on mm. with us. Mm. Uh, is there ever a time where you go for the rest of my life? We're going to do Selma, Selma 2, Selma 3, no. Selma 4. We're just doing all of it. Is there any, but like, because you're you 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 you're very varied in what you do. Mm-hmm. Like you have New Gods coming out. We're very excited about mm-hmm. that. 
Um, but I've heard people this past weekend go, man, nobody does these mm. films like Ava. Mm, that's kind. I didn't want to be civil rights girl and social justice girl. <laughs> okay. I don't want to just do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, but I but I love telling those stories. Those won't be the only stories that I make, but I will make others. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think you need to stay nimble and keep learning. So there's right. other things that I want to try to do. Um, you know, Wrinkle in Time was learning, was making a little black girl fly and dealing with special effects and costumes that are fantastic and all that good stuff. And so, you know, um, there's all kinds of things. I want to do mystery. I want to do action. You know, don't let them offer me John Wick 4. I'll be up in there. Oh, oh. <laughs> so good. <laughs> John Wick. You see John Wick 3? But I can't, it can't be John Wick 4. Like, how am I going to come taking the fourth one? You know what I mean? What? I kind of feel like. You could take John Wick. You could, you could take John Wick. Maybe I just take Wick. Hallie's character. Yeah. Yeah. And let her do her own thing because I'm going to be real with you. I have one problem with John Wick what? 3. Is I'm going to be real. And I don't like when they do this to us. I went to John Wick 3 expecting to see between 45 and 50 minutes of Halle Berry. <laughs> they gave that was us your fault. A cool 15 minutes <laughs> of Halle Berry with her two dogs, and then she was out. That's your fault you went in there with that. Why? You know that wasn't gonna happen. Like, they wait a minute. John Wick can't get a partner. Like No, because it's called John Wick. <laughs> Just John Wick. You, they could have been more Halle Berry. A little Halle. bit, I think so, but you know. You should yeah. do that. You know what? We just came up with something. We're partners on that. We're co-producing because <laughs> like like you oh, and the okay. you and the Halle Berry John Wick solo movie. That's dope. Because that be think of all the problems she, she had. She, she was great in it. She was fantastic. I didn't she know she good. could do karate either. Um uh now, um, I'm gonna ask you a question that Nick told me not to ask you. Did we tell people who Nick is? Oh, oh, this podcast knows who Nick they is. They do? Nick my, is my partner. My brother Nick. Yeah, like this podcast knows who Nick May is. My man. baby brother oh, Nicky. Hey, before before we go, oh. before we do this, I gotta, I gotta, we gotta, we gotta help Nick, and I'll tell you why we gotta why? help him. I recently went to Nick, uh, his apartment for the first time. Oh no. And some people have like a couple of bottles of liquor in their apartment, just in case they want to turn up. Yeah. That's not what Nick has. No. Are you familiar with the 80s show Cheers? <laughs> That's what that Nick has. Right. That's what Nick has in his apartment. Wow. Nick got a full bar. Nick wow. got Nick has different levels of stuff. Nick goes, if you want the top shelf, bro, I got it over here. Then he's got a cabinet. <laughs> he's got special vodkas that he's never opened for. True or false? True, but I don't drink. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't drink. For his homies, for his friends. For the homies, for right. The loved so ones. all of our livers can dry up. Right. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you, uh, I'm gonna give you the power over my brain right now. Uh, because this is a question I've been asking, and I would like to know what you think about this. Let's say that you could wipe my mind free of all the uh, misogyny, the patriarchy, everything in my in 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 my head that's socialized me to not be as helpful or as empowering to sisters uh, as I should be. It's all gone. You're gonna reprogram me with one thing that would make me a man that could empower and help women. What would be the most important thing that you would put in my head? Oh, wow. Treat women the way you'd like to be treated. Hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. That's it. It all goes down to that. If you don't want to be called names, if you hmm. don't want to be talked about behind someone's back, if you don't want to be diminished, if you don't want to be strung along, if you don't want to be hit, if you don't want to be, um, you know, minimized in every aspect, if you want a seat at the table at work, if you want equal rights, if you don't want some man all up in your private area telling you what you can and can't do, 
when he's a white man in Alabama who's trying to say what you can and can't do with your body. All those things you want for yourself, just apply those to ladies, and that'll be a good guidepost for you. Why do you think it's so hard for that message to get driven home? Because you've been taught to do the exact opposite, to prioritize yourself. Just like white people in our society. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, black men, you, should, you know, all, I, feel, I feel like all black men should be feminists. Hmm. Because you have understood and you understand deeply what it is to be minimized, to have bias because of your blackness. Um, and to think about that blackness and substitute that with womanness, right, hmm. with femininity. Right? You should be able to understand how exclusion and bias and prejudice and harm and violence is done. Now, when you double up being a woman and being black, mm-hmm. uh, there should be nothing but protection and deference there, I think. So, but but men in our society are, are taught to, you know, um, prioritize themselves, be the center, uh, whereas women are taught to be adjacent and so when men understand that you should treat someone else the way you want to be treated, you want to be brought in, you want to be um, loved, cared for, respected, uh, valued, um, it's just a simple thing. You ask me one thing, treat women the way you want to be treated. That's it. Hmm. It's just very simple. It's the golden rule. It's actually simple. It's actually a simple life rule. Yeah, pretty but much. But it's, it's nobody, everybody thinks they're them is more important than somebody else's them. That's right. My me is more important than your you. That's right. It's very, very difficult to wrap your mind mm-hmm. around. The, the, the And we it applies in this specific case. Mm-hmm. This perverted brand of justice that these people up here uh, in New York mm-hmm. thought that they were sort of meeting out mm-hmm. was more important than the lives of these people, these young men, mm-hmm. these young boys that were going to be ruined forever. Mm-hmm. And it's a difficult concept to grasp, mm-hmm. especially when you're looking at it. I can't imagine what it was like for them going through this, knowing that they didn't do right. it. Are you kidding me? I know. Like you're in jail and all of those things are happening to you. And by the way, not only that, but something that hasn't really been, the, the man that eventually came forward and accepted the responsibility, he hurt more women during the time that these brothers mm-hmm. were gone. Mm-hmm. Because, so, because law enforcement didn't do their job. So then he goes out and he rapes and actually kills another woman. He actually uh, killed another woman. Oh, yeah, he killed. That's why he was in prison for when 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 he saw Raymond Santana and confessed. The first time they had the, the well, no. The, the, they, the second time. When they, when they were in the mm-hmm. yard, not the first time. When yeah, they yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah, he had... He poked her, her eyes out with a butter knife. And, they did say that. Yeah. And um, who's they? The the people in the movie. Right. 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 Oh, oh right. I, well, I just remember. Sorry, right. Sorry. Right. I, I'm just, oh. Oh, oh, yes. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> You're like, what? Yes, um, the people in the movie said she knocked with a butter knife mm-hmm. and he raped this woman and he killed her while her kids were in the next room. And so her name was Lourdes Gonzalez. And she um, is a victim in this that we don't even talk about. They would have done the right thing uh, instead of trying to just, you know, CYA cover themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, then they would have pursued justice with the guy who actually fit the profile of the rape. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been raping all over town, doing the same thing. He was a solo rapist. He did a certain thing, and he did that same thing with with the woman Trisha Miley. And um, but instead, they rounded up these innocent boys and made them pay for it. Hmm. Uh, now we've we've. You have a nice haircut. Thank you. Can you? Is want this to- fresh? Yeah, man. <laughs> 
Let me tell you something. Uh, like, I'm glad that you brought that up. It looks really good. Let me tell you why that matters. I'll tell you why that matters. That matters because normally this is what happens. Normally, I get my hair cut on Wednesday or Thursday so that my hair is fresh going into the weekend because I'm sorry, guys. I don't really care how my hair looks on TMZ. Don't care. Um, but because I knew that we were going to be doing this on a Monday, I got my hair cut yesterday. Nice. Uh-huh. So I can get the benefits of these when, sharp lines. The sharp lines. Yes. And you know what? It's good because like when my hair starts growing back in, you mm-hmm. can tell that my line is kind of running back So it only lasts bit. like how long until you feel like I'm not as sharp as I'd like to 12 be. hours. <laughs> no. Really? 12 hours. I'm sexy for 12 hours once the hair is cut. <laughs> That's it? And then after that, we like we literally go... From Jesse Williams back down to me. I won't name anyone that's not Jesse sexy. Williams. Y'all don't think Jesse, well, shout out to my homeboy Jesse Williams. Y'all don't think Jesse's Jesse, like, how did I get involved in the combo? Um, I really appreciate haircuts. You do. Because I can tell, I can tell, you know what I mean? And I always say to a guy, oh, nice haircut. And they'll be like, oh, you recognize my haircut? You don't understand how empowering is it? Compliment that is. Is that a big deal? Oh, my yeah. God. Okay. I would care. Like, if I was sitting here and you would say, oh, you're... Like, for example, we had a Film Geek moment earlier where yeah. you were like, yeah, great compliment. Right. As far as the compliment pecking order, very low in terms <laughs> of the, the haircut. haircut. The haircut, that makes me feel good about myself. That's good for me to know. My barber, Trey Cuts, did this. <laughs> Come on, get what's his hashtag on 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 what's his what's his uh handle on IG? I, I, it's Trey Cuts. It, That's but actually, how do you spell Trey? Because there's a lot of ways. T R A Y C U T T S. Oh, with the very, two T's, could have thrown you off. It's right. good that we told people. Right, like you know your branding now. I'm just saying, let let the brother. As, have, as a matter of fact, let him live. If you want to do another life story, what? you all know a life story more interesting than Trey Cuts. <laughs> I tell a quick story. Okay. Quick trade cut story. Gosh. One day I'm on this is tri- I'm I'm on you know Twitter doing my thing right. you know retweeting things that make people feel good about themselves, <laughs> and I get a random DM that says yo, it's like uh, yeah who is this? Because if you're gonna DM someone, you should probably introduce yourself in the first DM. Right. Yo, I'm like yo who is this? Yo, this is Trey Cut's girlfriend. He needs four hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm like what? I built my uh, I bailed my barber out of jail just to keep the free haircut. Wow. Is that ethical? For me? Yeah, yes. Is that you, right? Is I, that- I would rather him be out on the streets being able to cut my hair than be inside and not be able to, to cut, cut my your hair. hair. No, co- yeah. copy that. You don't you, understand. Like the fact that you even question that shows me that you don't understand how important a haircut is. I don't. I don't. And especially because I'm supposed to be about social justice. I'm like, I don't know. There was something with the out for the haircut, not just out for the good of mankind. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the good of mankind is debatable. Right, true. But true. you complimented the haircut. So we're in that vein. You just made it. You just made it happen. Got so I have you. to ask you a question. Uh, yes. Is there anything about you that is because me and Charlamagne talked about this? Shout out to Charlamagne the guy. Charlamagne said that you came to do the Breakfast Club, and he's like Ava walks in the room, and you automatically start like standing up straight. Oh, that's kind. And that's the same thing that happened to me. Mm. You walked in here, I called you Miss Ava, <laughs> and then you admonished me for it. Yes, I did. Um, uh, but there is something about you that seems regal. These these conversations on the Red Pill. They way dirtier than really. This. Oh my oh, gosh! I was really scared before I went to sit with Charlemagne, and but Nick told me that, you know, I mean, I, I need to watch it, but I just trusted that my brother mm. listened to it, trusted that it was going to be okay. That's why he's sitting there on right, um, we, we, ready to jump in. We and, took our ratchet away when you were around. You did? 
we I've got my ratchet way <laughs> down. I turn my ratchet down to like it's like I'm negligible ratchet right now. But there's I like think, no ratchet in me. But I think there's elegant ratchet. Like ratchet is nice. Ratchet is a part of. I mean, there's a beauty to the blackness that the part of it that we call ratchet. Do you? Is there anything that is ratchet about you? Do you take the time? Do you like get in your car and put Project Pat on or something like that? Wow, Project Pat, how old are you? Yo, <laughs> like, like, Damn, like I listen really? to Project, but that, you know what? That I was you know, afraid what you'd say, I wouldn't know. Like what, what? What is what? Like when you, you know, do you get ratchet ever? Hmm, I don't think so. I mean, I think <laughs> <laughs> I think the most ratchet thing. I don't know if it's ratchet, but I definitely. Um, I like a bag, a good bag of sunflower seeds. That's um, as ratchet as you get. I really do, and just like, and not tossing my seeds into a cup, but just out. Throw wherever. the seeds out. There. Throw the seeds out. I like to do a little, you know. Okay, a little, the whole just, these are old habits that yeah. die hard from mm-hmm. being young. You know, I can tell you something. We're in the heyday, the golden era of ratchet music, and I feel right like now. Yes. Really? No. You, Ava. First of all, where are you from? Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Right. So. I'm from here. Okay. There, there's nothing more ratchet than, <laughs> than the '90s West Coast hip hop, right? Not, not, not the SWVs and the da da da, whatever was happening in New York. I just did a whole soundtrack. I'm talking about this is the hip hop that taught, prof, brought profanity mm-hmm. to the genre. Okay. Brought body parts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a difference, though. Brought positions and styles. There's a difference, though. Bending overs and all of those things. It came from us. Here's the difference. What? The difference is the fathers and mothers of those people, they went to church. These people, those people are their fathers and mothers. So they're like, so, so the, the, the difference is the ratchet that you think, I'm excited for you because you're going to have a fantastic summer of diving down a rabbit oh, hole right. of ratchet music. You're going to get to give me a playlist. And finding out that there is nothing in the 90s that's more ratchet. I don't think there's anything else this. you can say the that's city surprising. Girls, what? Like, uh, you don't know the City Girls? Yeah, I do. City Girls, they that's pretty ratchet. You know, I think we could go song for song. No. And every song that you give, I can give a song that would combat it. You this know, could be a ratchet uh, duel. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it could be, but I, I tell but you I what. But I won't. All right, listen, um, we understand <laughs> that you are a very busy woman. I am. So we are not going to hold you too much longer. I'm happy to sit with you. On the Red Pill Podcast. I've been an admirer of yours for a very, very long time. And, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's remarkable what you've done. What have I done? You started out as like the black guy on TMZ. <laughs> oh to, be, to be to be honest, <laughs> I didn't know who you were. You right. were a black guy on TMZ. And it's like, oh, there's a black guy on TMZ. Mm-hmm. You would always stand up and then you would say things. And then they, the things got better and you gained confidence. And it started to be better and better. Then you had your own point of view. Then people knew your name. Now this and your social media presence. I think all of that is really mm. fantastic. I, uh, I, 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 Don't I you feel you've done well for yourself? <sighs> no. No? Good. I, I, Good. I, I think that I haven't done anything. More to do. I think that what I've done is given myself the opportunity to do something. Mm. And I am, just to be honest with you, I am hell bent on making the best use of that opportunity. Good. Good I for will. you, brother. Um, I love it. A question just came in from Nick. Uh, oh, gosh. At the end of the podcast, at the end of the film, there is... A Nipsey Hussle song mm-hmm. plays. 
Uh, first of all, Moon River by Frank Ocean, which mm-hmm. lets you get your last ridiculous cry blubbering on. cry. <laughs> right. And you know you gonna make us cry. No, I love that song. Cause because they looking up at the camera and it pans <laughs> from the actor to the person and I'm like, hey, hey that that's the first point that I'm going, okay, fuck you. Because I'm like I'm like I'm like I don't have I don't I don't have nothing I don't have nothing left. You're getting it all back out. I'm just dry heaving in my apartment. Like that's the last Moon River. You know that. Um but then when well like while we're playing out uh, Nip comes on. Yeah. Rest in peace yeah. to our brother, yeah. Black King Nip. Uh, what was the decision like to to include uh, Nip in, in, in the film? Well, no, I haven't talked about it, so I don't know if I really can without being emotional. I'll just say I wanted him to be in this. I wanted to have his music, his lyrics, his energy, his legacy on this. I think that the film talks about so many of the things that he cared about. And the topic is how I met him. I met him on a panel that Nick did uh, about mass incarceration and criminalization and all this this stuff that we're talking about. And that's how we first connected. And so um, I also just wanted to bring in a West Coast voice because I really want to make sure that people know this is a national problem. This is not just New York, you know, that there are brothers, um, you know, uh, in our city right now and all the cities across the country who are dealing with the same thing and just wanted to kind of move it out of just being a New York story. But more than anything, you know, his voice coming at the end, when you talk about a little bit of hope at the end, mm-hmm. um, you know, what he's saying in that song, uh, it's, the song is Picture Me Rolling. Picture Me Rolling, yeah. And saying after all that you've seen, all the five hours that we've shown you, um, that we have a bigger dream for ourselves than mm. the system and the society uh, wants for us. And that if we stick to that, uh, we're going to make it home. And so mm. that's what that song says. And so rest in peace and power to him. Rest in peace to him. All right, we're going to get out of here. But um, I'm going to send you, I'm going to make this up, send it to Nick. Nick's going to send it to you. I'm oh, send no, you a, Ratchet Tape? Uh, ratchet Tape. Okay. Ratchet Tape we'll number see. one. And I don't way, know if I'll be impressed. but And, and by the way, not only am I going to do this, I'm going to, a run day, Garrett and the people that I know over at, at Title, I'm gonna upload this to Title so everyone can see the Ratchet playlist that I make. What for will you call it? Ah, oh, that's a good one. There are certain what? What do you want to say? Figures of speech. That's what he says. All right, we'll see. What? What does that mean? Is that some kind of inside joke? No. Figures of speech is the name of. <laughs> Of this playlist. Wow, of a ratchet playlist curated by you just for me. Curated by you. And then you can make And I'll just roll all summer to it. Just all summer. Okay. I, I tell you what, you you, you want to do something? You want to see something? You see something beautiful happening in this what? culture? You put a video up on your Instagram of me of rolling. You rolling to act up by the city girls. Hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. And watch the color of the hair in your DM straight chat. <laughs> Purple, the pink hues, the greens. All my sisters yes. in Tallahassee. Yes, in yes. All my sisters okay. in Tampa. Yes. They're going to be getting at you. Yes, okay. Let me see what it is, though. Everybody clap. Everybody, uh-uh. black and white. Wow, exciting. Thank you. Thank you. We are done. <laughs> that was fun.